Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 43 officially behind us, we thought it would be fun to take a look back at the season as a whole and discuss some of its most memorable moments, standout hosts, and exceptional sketches. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or rather Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. kick things off, let's quickly run through some of the headlines from throughout season 43. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, okay. So, after winning an Emmy for his portrayal of Donald Trump during season 42, Alec Baldwin returned for another full season as the highly polarizing commander-in-chief. How are we feeling about Alec as Trump um, now that we have two full seasons behind us? Well, I feel that... Um we're pretty much past the point where we can pass on the baton to, say, a cast member, and it kind of feel like an actual natural progression. Right. I think, uh, you know, with ratings in mind and how popular Alex's portrayal has been, as long as he continues to want to do it, that's probably the Trump we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you're probably right. I, I think we've kind of transitioned from wondering how long Alex going to stick around to just kind of accepting that the show is going to use him sparingly. And we're probably going to have him as long as we have Trump. I think much like the real Trump, a lot of people are just willing to wait it out at this point <laughs> and, you know, just know that sooner or later his term will be done. And uh, then we can all just breathe a sigh of relief and move on. Uh, I don't have a problem with Alec as Trump the way that some people do. Uh, but the people that do, I, I don't think they're going to see someone else step into the role at this point. I, I think it's just, too easy to keep going with Alec. He has become the face of their political commentary and uh, it doesn't look like there's any real initiative on the show's part to, to go in a new direction. So I, I think it is what it is. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they went another way. Yep. And you know what? I'm okay with it. As long as it's sparingly, I, I think eight engagements kind of one per run throughout the season. That's okay. That's fun. Mm -hmm. I think if we go really, really heavy, then there's going to be more fatigue throughout season 44. And I, I wouldn't want to see that. Well, we never saw Obama in every single episode. We never saw Bush or Clinton yeah. every single week. So, yeah, the show just has to recognize now that Alec isn't the draw that he was during season 42. It isn't a special event when he shows up. He just really is. The show is Trump. He is just another player on the show. And if they use him in those terms and only bring out Trump when there's a really funny reason to bring out Trump, then it can work. I just don't need every cold open to be a week in review via Trump at a podium. That's what I do not want to see for season 44. No. Yeah. Let's <laughs> change it up a bit more than that, please. Yes. Okay. Moving on. After the departure of head writers, Kelly and Schneider at the end of season 42, SNL promoted Colin Jost and Michael Che to the position mid season. So do we feel that this mid-season writer shakeup helped the show? Well, it didn't hurt the show. I'll put it that way. Okay. They're solid candidates to take over those responsibilities. And, you know, yeah, maybe there was some shakiness in the transition, but I feel like we had a consistently high quality season Okay, regardless. Yeah. I think I did notice a bit of an uptick in the overall enjoyment of the show from January, 2018 on, um, politically, I think the show just doesn't really have much of a voice. And I don't think that Colin Jost and Michael Che necessarily fixed that, but I do think that them getting a bit more clout helped them to maybe be a bit more fearless with weekend update and maybe just be able to push that a bit further in the way that they wanted to. And I think that that has helped that segment because that segment I think has been consistently getting better throughout the season. Uh, and I'm going to just assume that the more sway they have <laughs> over the final output for weekend update, the better it's getting. And uh, so I, I think there might be something there, you know, this is all just theory, yeah. but I, I, I do think that there was a bit more that they were able to do with weekend update, maybe because they were wearing those hats. If not, then it's just a credit to the show overall, kind of getting its footing and ramping up and continuing to refine itself and move in the right direction. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows, <laughs> but glad to see him there. The show certainly hasn't suffered. Like you said, it's as good as it's ever been. And, uh, they're definitely not, uh, dragging it down in any way. So, oh God, no. Awesome. Moving on. 
Despite criticism, SNL continued to employ frequent celebrity cameos throughout the season, particularly to portray members of the Trump administration. So in hindsight, was the season better or worse for this constant infusion of star power? I'd say it was probably better for the casual viewer. Mm -hmm. You know, hardcore nerd kind of fans like yourself and and me. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you're including yourself in that group. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Don't don't point the finger, buddy. (laughs) Both of us. You know, we're both doing a podcast about it. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, for the casual viewer, I mean, it's not like they're bringing in untalented or unfunny people to play these parts. So, you know, it's going to be an entertaining spectacle and it's going to work really well. The only thing to complain about it is, you know, people like you and me wanting to root for the Luke Knowles and the (laughs) Melissa Villas and yours who we want more time on screen to go to them. Right. But I think for most people who just turn on the TV and want to enjoy some good television, it's helping the show and probably helping with ratings. Yeah. And that really is what we forget sometimes is that most people don't watch SNL end to end religiously at 1130 Saturday night. They see Mm -hmm. clips online or they hear the scuttlebutt, you know, the day after about who showed up or whatever. Uh, So they don't get the fatigue maybe that we get seeing celebrities come in as heavily as the show has been employing them. So it isn't the liability that we think it is in a lot of ways. And I think the production understands that they hear the criticisms, obviously, you know, like they, they goofed on it in the Tina Fey episode. They know what the critics say and what the hardcore fans say, but they also know what makes a good show for their true audience, which are the people watching it on YouTube, the people that are watching it the next day on TiVo or whatever, the people that may catch it if they just like the host or they just like the musical act, but they're not tuning in week over week. Those people, I'm sure that you're just not getting the diminishing returns on the celebrity appearances that the hardcore fans would. So I I really could care less about this issue. I hear the criticism, but I just, I don't really watch the show to try and find fault. And when you just kind of take the show for what it is without needing to pick apart whether it's the absolute most ideal optimized perfect show for you personally when you just kind of take it and say you know did they take a good run at it and come up with something good this week more often than not the celebrities do serve the overall show it is fun it does get uh, a great reaction in the house it does create a good energy there's there is a lot of benefit to it and yeah so i I just ain't losing sleep over it. I think, I think the <laughs> the show is at a point in its history now where it's such an institution. And it has such a back catalog of friends of the show that they can pull in that. Why wouldn't they, you know, there were some eras where maybe they just didn't have the credibility or it didn't do a celebrity much to show up on SNL just because it didn't have the heat that it has right now. But right now it's a win-win for everyone, you know, big name celebrities, they come on and it's a little bit of juice for them and it shows that they're a good sport and they're, you know, one of the fun celebrities, one of the lovable celebrities. So it's, it's great for their image, you know, when they come to play and it's great for the show to just be able to do that, to always have something special week over week to offer the audience that tunes in. Like you never know who's going to show up at SNL because every week it's a new party that (laughs) still has a little bit of juice. And so I, I can't really hate on it. It is a different SNL than we've seen in the past, but it's not a worse SNL. It's just what the show is doing right now to, to keep the excitement high and I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. Yep. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, we, uh, we're definitely getting into like shill territory at this point. Let's, uh, let's get off that. Let's look at our last news item here. In possibly the most surprising news of the season, Pete Davidson has upped the ante in his rivalry with Colin Jost by getting engaged to Ariana Grande. Now, we try to not veer too far into TMZ territory on the cast, but this was just too juicy to not bite into. So I want to know, what do you make of this whole thing? Huh. It's all <laughs> happening so fast. Yes, it's a, a whirlwind romance. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I don't think we had a chance to even talk about them starting to date since the last podcast. This is how quickly things yeah. are progressing. Um, yeah. I don't think you mentioned that there's tattoos involved. Oh, God. Yeah. My whole opinion of it is, you know, they're young. They're ostensibly in love. So, yeah. I mean, they apparently plan to have a long engagement, and uh, maybe that's as far as it goes. And that's really not that big of a deal. If this is you know, the language they choose to express how they feel for each other. (laughs) Maybe just, it's not as crazy as we think it is, you know, because of Pete Davidson's diagnosis, I think people attach more meaning than, uh, than it deserves. Okay. 
it's not the end of the world. And sure. I think everybody needs to calm down. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know if everyone's like super worked up. I don't think that this is a controversial thing so much as just kind of a, a smirk thing. Like, okay, <laughs> what, what is going on here? It, to me, it kind of feels like the, the way people are reading it is Ariana Grande is kind of like slumming it a bit, you know, cause Pete Davidson, he's a self-described, you know, Staten Island burnout reject. <laughs> and she is, at the absolute apex of pop music. So how do these star-crossed lovers find each other? And that to me is the interesting part of the story is it's just one of those, like she's way out of your league, dude, kind of situations. But uh, I, for one, like to root for the guy that is able to, (laughs) you know, make time with the cheerleader when, when he's the, the burnout under the bleachers, that, that to me is a a big win for the nerd. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to give this one thumbs up. I wish him well, have fun guys. (laughs) Yeah. It's free country. Yeah. Okay. So win for me. (laughs) (laughs) It'll win. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On a scale of, (laughs) um, and that is our rundown of the top news items of the year. Let's take a look at the featured players. Oh yes, please. All right. So how's Mikey day doing? Terrible. Yeah. Hardly see him. Yeah. I seriously hope that dude's not back. He brings nothing to the show. <laughs> well, yes, we laugh, but in all seriousness, he's been bringing, you know, fire to the show long right. before he was even a cast member. Yeah. Long history with the show. Probably the main reason why he is only a featured player in title. I mean, pretty much from the word go, he was heavily featured in many sketches, mm-hmm. more so than some of the actual repertory players. So right. how's he doing? Doing just fine. Yep. His trajectory has been exactly where you want it to be. He came out running and he hasn't really stopped since. Yeah. There's some episodes where him and his little cadre, (laughs) you know, Struder Seidel and Alex Moffat to a large extent. Now it seems like they're getting multiple sketches on week over week. So they're definitely not getting lost in the fray there. They are definitely a, a standout group. That's mostly producing some good stuff. Occasionally we do get the Sasquatch sketch, but you know, you gotta, (laughs) you got, you gotta take the swing if you want the home run. So, you know, sometimes they strike out, but more often than not, they're, they're definitely getting on base. So I like what they've been doing and I really can't see how he's not a repertory player for season 44. He's put in his time at this point. He really is one of the next generation that I think is going to be there, kind of the full contract. So yeah, nothing bad to say about Mikey day. Nerbit. Cool. Heidi Gardner. I think. I think I like Heidi. Okay, good. I think she's a unique performer. She's got really interesting characters. Uh, Yeah, there's something about what she does that I haven't seen a whole lot of before her. Mm -hmm. And I think she's a great addition. She does great impressions. Yeah. Yeah, she she made a splash so quick. And uh, I'm glad because we've gotten a lot of really funny sketches moments uh, from Heidi. Yeah, I agree. She's a really good fit for the show. She's got some serious skills. Uh, Her ability to craft characters and to really commit to her roles is top notch. Yes. And she's coming into the show right at a time where there's a lot of room for what she brings. We are going to have some more of the female cast exiting over the next couple of years, and it's going to create a lot of opportunity for her to step up and and drive some sketches. And she's showing that she has the chops to do it. So I think she's going to continue to kind of grow into the role of one of the leading female players on the show. So a great opening season for her too. Uh, it's surprising that some of the featured players were able to ramp up and really just kind of become accepted, regular old tried and true cast members as quickly as they did. It, it doesn't feel like Heidi's a featured player to me. It feels like she's just one of the cast at this point. And that's not something we see every year. So uh, I like that, <laughs> that she was embraced quickly and that she's featured as heavily as she is. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Alex Moffat. Ah, Alex Moffat. I don't know, man. Something about this guy. He makes it look so effortless. Yeah. I find him to be a super talented guy. Uh, He rarely disappoints. He just makes it look so easy out there. Mm -hmm. He's put out a lot of great characters. He's gotten a lot of really good sketches on air. And yeah, every time I see him, he's just fearless. Even if it's a tiny little, you know, janitor sketch, he can make that memorable. Yep. Yeah. Everything he does is is just gold i think 
King Midas. Sure. Uh, he is definitely one of the best hires the show has done in a few years. I think like he, he really is top notch across the board. Like you said, versatility, it's all there. Yeah. And the show knows how to use him. He's just one of those players that just kind of got in the fray again, kind of like Heidi Gardner. He just really found his footing early, figured out how to collaborate and generate and get in the mix. And he, he really is doing great. Yeah. Yep. Luke Null. Uh, Luke Null. We like Luke Null. Mm-hmm. We don't see enough of him. But uh, I think we've seen the talent that Luke has. So maybe it's not going to effectively translate well to a good SNL career. But that's not to say he won't have a great career beyond his short run on SNL, if sure. that is the case. But I think the value in Luke Null is appreciated by Lauren and by the producers. Maybe, you know, he got dealt some crummy cards when it came to getting stuff on air, but I think he might have proven himself as a employee of SNL. Sure. So he might get another chance just for that. Yeah, we can hope. Um, He did have one really stunning sketch that didn't make it to air that I think if it had made it to air, it would have changed the conversation on Luke Null, right? It would have put a lot of the naysayers to rest and it would have shown everyone that there's something worthwhile that SNL saw that, you know, got this guy the gig and that hopefully there'll be more for us to see in the coming season. It would have just made people more optimistic about seeing him back, but because I didn't make it to air and all we have are just these few little bit parts and just the, the tiniest hints of what he could do musically on the show. It just doesn't, leave us with anything to really grasp onto and say, this guy's a lock. Yeah. Uh, so I am worried, you know, I would like to see him back, but the show has to make tough calls about where to use their budget. The one thing that might be working in Luke Null's favor though, is that we are definitely in a transition phase where as senior players exit the show, it creates less pressure on the featured players, right? Like it's not like the show is looking to cut people as aggressively as maybe when the show's super top heavy. Right. And there just isn't enough budget and room for as many featured players as we're currently seeing. I think the reason why we have so many featured players right now is because the show is saying, let's just get as many people in the mix and kind of build out the bottom end of our cast so that they can start to percolate up. Cause we know we're going to have kind of a mass exit of some of our real like star power over the next few years. Um, so that might work in his favor. Like you said, they may see behind the scenes that this guy has a lot to offer and it just wasn't his year. It was a little too crowded and it just wasn't his breakout moment, but they want to give him one more run at it. I could see that happening. They did it with Melissa Villasenor. You know, she didn't have anything super significant happen her first season, but they say, you know, there's a niche here that she could fill. And we think that maybe there's an opportunity for her to continue to, to grow and, and, uh, ascend. So let's just give her one more run at it. If we see that with Luke Null, great. I'll be happy to see him back. Uh, I just, <laughs> we won't be surprised either. If it goes the other yeah, way, Yeah, I wouldn't put money on it. I'm just, I'm a little, little wary that this might be the end for Luke Null. Uh, hopefully not the end for Luke Null. I'm sure there's other venues for him, but I don't know. SNL may feel like they could put that money towards maybe a more versatile player or someone who just can break out a little quicker. So we'll see. We'll see. Yep. It remains to be seen. Chris red, Chris Fred. Yeah. I like this guy. Okay. He had a bit more of a advantage coming in with uh, some of the exposure he's gotten prior to coming on to SNL. You know, right. he was in Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. <laughs> uh, he was on Disjointed. Yeah. And uh, now that he's in the mix, he's doing some awesome stuff. I love his line delivery. I love his uh, energy on screen. He's got a really unique sense of performing. And uh, yeah. I think he's a great performer that I'm happy to see on the show. Yep. Chris Red kind of jumped in with both feet too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the chance the rapper episode was kind of like where he really arrived. And I feel like we've seen him consistently since then. I, I feel like that's kind of when he proved to the show, hey, look, look, I can I can do a lot here. I can really animate my characters and uh find a lot of fun personas. And he really is good at tapping into what's fun and goofy about the characters that that he creates yeah Uh, i love watching him i just i feel like his presence on screen really works for snl and i feel like the show figured that out pretty quick and uh we're seeing a lot of them and that bodes well i I can't see why he wouldn't be back next season indeed you do excellent melissa via senor ah melissa (laughs) i love melissa she's great she's adorable her screen time is not you know it's not vast 
Mm-hmm. She does show up and she does have her moments where she's doing great things. Obviously the pillow talk sketches are a hit and she seems to work well with the cast. Mm-hmm. I don't see her being, you know, like a sketch carrying powerhouse, but I still think she has a place on the show and I still think she'd serve well to stay on. Okay. Um, yeah, I think she's going to be back, but I don't think that she's ever going to be an SNL star per se. Right. I feel like she's kind of stuck in a Sashir Zameda gear. Um, the show knows that there's some good things she can bring to the show, but those things are things that the show only needs sparingly. Right. She is the Latina player on the show right now. So, you know, there are some sketches where it's just very organic that they'd want to pull her in. I think about the uh, game of life pre-tape, for instance, like, Obviously, there's no one better to fill that role. <laughs> right. And she she handled that really well. Like she was really good in that role. So there's some things where the show can make use of her just because, right? They they need a player of that ethnicity. And she is an impressionist, so you would think that that would create a lot of opportunities, but it doesn't really seem like the the show is utilizing her heavily in that regard. So I just see her being a good sport, capable player that the show will use when it makes sense but i don't think anyone is like thinking week over week like we just we got to get her on screen more she's just (laughs) ratings gold you know like i just don't i don't see that being her trajectory i think that she'll just have a slow burn where she gets more confident in what she can do the show gets a little bit more confident what they can use her for and then at a certain point she'll probably plateau and you know maybe maybe ride out her contract or maybe you know we'll part ways three or four seasons in that's kind of <laughs> kind of what I see for Melissa Villasenor. And I, I hate to say it. I just don't know if the show is ever going to really get in lockstep with yeah. the kind of performer that she is. And there's a lot of great impressionists on the cast right now. So there's a lot of people eating their lunch. There's musical performers <laughs> like Cecily Strong seems to craft musical roles for herself. Yeah. So Melissa kind of plays second fiddle on those kind of sketches. Heidi Gardner kind of comes in as a capable impressionist in her own right, even though that's not the only thing she can do. Mm-hmm. So there's other people that are kind of just sort of like, <laughs> uh, eking out those opportunities from Melissa. And, and it seems like Melissa's just maybe too good natured to maybe scrap and, and maybe, you know, dig and fight a little bit more for, <laughs> for the, the roles that maybe she could flourish in. So, you know, I like her. She's sweet and we don't see anything really bad from her on the show. I just, I just don't know if she's ever going to be that standout. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Not everyone's going to be the standout. No, there's going to be some solid utility players or just people that just serve one particular role and the show use them when they need them. And otherwise they just kind of hang out and have a good time and just try and make the energy on the 17th floor a little more positive and, you know, just kind of help here and there and round out other people's sketches. Like that might be her role is we, we need a, a goofy third person just to kind of show up for a few lines here or there. And, and Melissa is always game for that kind of stuff. So that's where we'll use Melissa. That just might be where she fits in with the show. Great chair. All right. So let's bottom line this. Who would you say is the newbie front runner at this point? Out of all six? No, just the rookies, just the rookies, uh, Heidi, Chris, and Luke, Heidi, Chris, and Luke. I would give it to Chris Red. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely a needed voice on the show. Heidi Gardner obviously would be deserving of that as well. She's very versatile and brings a lot of value to the show. I'm just really digging Chris Red's ideas on on concepts and sketches. Mm-hmm. And I think overall, when it comes to what he can serve the show, he's he's definitely the most useful. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think Heidi was the first one to really establish herself on the show. I think like the first half of the season, she had a lot of good moments that kind of just put her up top and she's just kind of maintained, you know, Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season, she hasn't really fallen off or disappeared. She's had a very good outing, but I feel like she kind of crested early. And then for the back half, Chris red really ramped up and he's done some really amazing stuff. So it kind of just leaves more of an impression on you because he was the more recent one to really kind of start shining on the show um but i think all in season as a whole i think he edged out heidi gardner too i i agree with you i think that he just had a few more things that really uh were highlights for the show overall that he was involved in yeah whereas heidi's niche was really the characters that she created on weekend update and you know a couple other vehicles that were just like heidi vehicles Mm -hmm. that were fun and great in their own right they just maybe weren't quite as memorable as like 
uh, friendos or uh, yeah. fresh prints, you know, like Chris red had a couple really great things that I, I think are going to be like best of moments for the show. So Chris red, I'll agree with you. I think he's our newbie front runner going into 44 way to go. Chris. All right. So let's talk moment of the season. My moment of the season. It's not maybe the funniest moment or anything like that, but it's definitely profound. And, and uh, I thought it was pretty jarring. It was, uh, it was the intentional use of profanity. Okay. The, uh, the S hole moment, if you will, when Jost, you know, accidentally on purpose <laughs> right. dropped that S bomb, you yes. know, <laughs> uh, that was, uh, a fun way of kind of dancing around standards and practices to make a point. You know, if the president is saying this, then where do we draw the line? Sure. I thought it was a great message for the show to make. And, uh, you know, if we were to see a clip show that would probably make its, uh, way on for, for season 43. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely uh, something that perks you up. You can't help but take notice when they decide to uh, (laughs) get a little saucy on update. Yeah. 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 That's cool. My only feeling about that was it felt a little easier than I think it should have felt right. Like that should have been a big moment, but with how much the show's already been leaning into their Trump hate, it felt like a little bit more of the same. And I was surprised that it didn't feel more special to me because I feel like that should have just really been a, a really like stunning moment Mm -hmm. so that's the only reason why maybe it wasn't as special to me as as it could have been yeah well you can't blame them because you know they might be kind of dancing along that line of of censorship sure so maybe the fact that they didn't hang on it kind of affected the effect it had but even still yeah the idea of it is kind of a moment yeah okay for my moment I'm going to go with the weekend update feature where Angel, every boxer's girlfriend from every movie ever shows up and she declares her undying loyalty for her iPhone 4S. Ah. I thought that that was just a surprisingly fun moment that really kind of drove home what that character was all about. It was just this, this blind, unfailing loyalty long past any point of reason. And it, it was just such a sharp little visual gag and a fun little character moment. And it was kind of the cherry on top of a weekend update feature that already felt very special. Cause this was a big breakout moment for Heidi and it was a really good character, right? Like, so I was already perked up saying, wow, she's really nailing it right now. Yeah. And then they have this fun little crescendo on top of it. So, so that to me just it, it really had me engaged and I was surprised how well that moment landed for me. So I I'm gonna give it to that. I, I think for a, a featured player to really make a splash like that and have such a well-rounded weekend update feature their first time out, gold. Really gold. So I'm good on that. Yeah, that would be where uh I kind of fell in love with Heidi Gardner yeah. as a performer. Yeah. That was when I said, okay, this is what got her on the show. This is an example of her talents that obviously were proven in the audition. Yep. Makes sense. It was a very good moment for Heidi. No doubt. Yeah. Best live sketch. I'm sure you remember uh, Sterling K Brown's episode. Mm-hmm. I had a blast with that Shrek family dinner. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was a perfect combination of not only good writing, but uh, great performances from the cast and perfect utilization of the specific host they had for the week. Exactly. Sterling K Brown is known for being very intense, very highly emotional and explosive in his performances. And he was able to turn that just enough to have a comedic spin Mm -hmm. and really carry a high energy sketch to success. It was uh, definitely a favorite. Yeah. I'm right there with you. That worked for a lot of reasons. Like you said, because of how well it established Sterling K Brown as a great host for the show yeah and just funny overall like such a trivial topic for someone to get so bent out of shape over and it was all kind of like layered into i I think they were like announcing their engagement or it was there was something going on with their relationship that was supposed to be like a really like great moment for them as a couple like him and melissa villasenor yeah so to have him just kind of like derail the whole relationship like the stakes got very high there as he's having his breakdown great yeah it was a lot of fun and as a sketch for you it had melissa villasenor in a role that wasn't just an impression that wasn't just a bit part like it was a good showing for her too so i can see why that's kind of the whole package for you yeah i i can totally get on board with that for my best live sketch i'm going with family feud harvey family thanksgiving what's up play up (laughs) i'm picking this because family feud is often the sketch that when i see it come up 
uh, during the interstitial shot during the commercials, you know, when they kind of show them setting up for the next sketch, when I see the family feud set, I'm always a little apprehensive because I'm wondering, is it <laughs> going to be inspired or is it just going to be an impression fest that you're kind of groaning at a little bit by the time the four minutes are done? Yeah. And this one was one of the family feuds that really surprised me. It was a, a brilliant concept to, to bring into that family feud world it was great to turn the steve harvey character on his head like they make him very simple very forrest gumpish in it you know where <laughs> yeah he has this kind of like innocence when it comes to trying to understand that he has a son you know like there, there's something very <laughs> cute that they were able to work in there chance the rapper as the son was a great role for him you know he really nailed his steve harvey homage oh and he was so pleased with himself yeah that's what was really contagious for me was how much fun he was having up there. Yep. And the reactions from AD and Leslie really helped to keep it, you know, fun and keep the energy high. <laughs> yeah. There was just a, a whole lot here that was very satisfying. And to have that in a family feud sketch where you go in with low expectations just made it feel even better to me. So I, I thought that this was a, a real big win for that show. For sure. And yeah, it's easy to see a game show set especially family feud and be like, okay, yeah, this might be um, beating a dead horse. Exactly. But it goes to show why we see game show sketches so much is because they can be utilized in so many different ways right. to, you know, structure a whole lot of different concepts. Yep. Yeah. It's, it can serve a lot of purposes. So it's not necessarily a bad thing or going to be retreading old ground when we see the family feud set come on. Yep. Yep. It just goes to show that you don't really want to prejudge because sometimes they do surprise you. True. True. And that's something that Black Jeopardy has kind of proven too. That's a sketch that's gotten better over time as they figure out new characters that can really help yeah. breathe new life into that each time it comes back. So I haven't been disappointed by that one either in quite a while. So it just it shows that the the writers are conscious of the need to vary these sketches up and not just keep doing the same kind of retread. When I see the writing kind of keep pace and keep these sketches fresh, it makes me happy. So that one worked for me. Yep, you're happy. I'm happy. Good. Best pre-tape. Ah, my favorite pre-tape came from the Sershacious <laughs> Ronin Swarche. Um, Sersha. Sersha. Yeah. Sersha Ronin. <laughs> Sersha Ronin. Yeah. <laughs> Sersha Ronin. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed the... Uh, the office race yes. pre-tape. Yeah. <laughs> it was a kind of a good neighbor type sketch. Greta Gerwig was in the mix. Mm -hmm. I just loved the whole world they created and such bizarre choices as they always make. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they were allowed to go even further with it. And I felt like it was maybe a turning point for SNL where, you know, the alt comedy was really starting to pick up. Yeah. Which is like my bag. I'm a Tim and Eric, Eric Andre type of fan. Sure. I love all that weird adult swim stuff. So when SNL goes in that direction, it pleases me. Cool. I just loved everything about this one. All the Mac and me reference, <laughs> the, uh, the fact that a hole in your pants is the equivalent of like a career ending injury. Sure. <laughs> there was just so many weird moments that I just loved. Yep. I can't really build on any of that. It was fun. It was bizarre. It does catch you off guard that they threw in so many weird little elements that just don't seem to really make any sense yeah but you know it's it's a charming ride nonetheless i had fun with it too i thought that sketch was a win so i can i can respect it for my best pre-tape i'm going with the fresh prince theme song slash action thriller sketch from the jessica chastain show hmm. i love that they took the theme song and were able to create new lyrics that painted that uh story as nicely as they did, right? Like it, it really escalates and goes in some fun directions and lyrically that all held together very well. They didn't kind of have to stretch yeah. <laughs> the lyrics to kind of fit more words than are supposed to be there. Like it all just really flowed and it, it felt like the original theme song <laughs> end to end. So that in itself was kind of a, a neat feat of writing, but on top of it, it just really was clever that they bake in all the double crosses, the shootout you have, Uncle Phil in the mix getting wasted. You know, he, he shows up as the judge <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. they cut him down. Like that was a great moment. Chris red played his part masterfully. Um, he found funny in every second of screen time that he was on and the editing and, and two was not an easy feat to make that a quick punchy little outing, but still maintain that narrative and just 
capture all the visuals. So direction wise, editing wise, performance wise, writing wise, music wise, I just feel like everything was there. And a great moment for Chris Red, which anytime the featured players really get a standout, I'm on board. So I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This was a fun ride. And it was especially great because it kind of reminds you of the long version of that opening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a whole nother verse there, right? There's a few other (laughs) verses. Yeah. So like some fans who like watch the show didn't realize that there was this extended version. Yeah. He goes on a plane and there's like a whole other thing before he shows up at uncle Phil's door. That's right. Yeah. He's, he's rapping about flying first class and how he could get used to it. Right. It's almost like an alternate universe where this is the extended cut of that. Yes. Okay. Moving on. Best weekend update feature. I was a big fan of that Hope Hicks bit that Cecily Strong did. Right. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't like a accurate impression of Hope Hicks. It was a character kind of inspired by what we know of that political figure, which is not much other than, you know, she's young and attractive and you know, not so experienced and <laughs> a lot of the circumstances with her story kind of mirrored the whole college girl coming of age graduation stereotype, I guess. Sure. Yeah. The the last day of summer camp, uh, valedictorian. Right. They wove in some fun themes where she's getting nostalgic and she has her little like letter to her friends or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a cool angle on that particular exactly. character since they had so little to draw on. Yeah. It was a very clever angle. And then Cecily strong on top of that doing a really good job of yes. portraying that type. Yeah. And um, yeah, the vitamin C cue <laughs> for music. Right, right. Yeah. And the tearing up when she got to Ivanka, it was so <laughs> just accurate yep. to the the whole energy that would have. Yep. It's kind of a lesson in how SNL should run at their political characters. They need to have some sort of a fun angle to underpin the character that is going to be instantly funny and recognizable. It can't just be the character making quick one-off jokes about whatever the news item is of the day. Right. You need to have some fun way into the character. That's why Eric and Donald work so well is because you have the brother dynamic, the simple child dynamic of Eric, and then the overprotective patient brother for Donald that whole thing is what makes that funny. It's not the stuff they're talking about, right? They are covering the news, but it's all framed inside of their relationship. And that's fun. This is another good example of where the premise is funny. And so then the news items that get woven into it become funny by extension. Yeah. They don't always get that right. And unfortunately, Trump is the big superlative example of where they're not getting it right. (laughs) So this is good. Yeah. Anytime that they really have something inspired, I, I can applaud it. Sure. Yeah. This is worth applause for sure. Very good. For my best update feature, I'm going with Pete Davidson bagging on Staten Island, where he's explaining that he's living in Joe's shadow and gets to go down some fun avenues (laughs) uh, talking about (laughs) Joe's being the sexiest joke writer or whatever. That just felt really good. It felt like he was really in command of the material. The delivery was on. He was very enthusiastic in his delivery more so than sometimes we see from Pete. And I feel like it was probably some of the most satisfying update material we've seen from Pete Davidson. So I I think just kind of all around it worked. I felt it was really funny and I felt like it was a good example of where Pete can shine. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Cool. Let's take a look at MVP. I'm giving my MVP to Alex Moffat. All right. Like I said earlier, when we were talking about the featured players, um, such an effortless, talented performer, and everything he does is absolute brilliance. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a lot of great moments. I thought he carried a lot of sketches this season. The fact that he can, you know, go head to head with Kate McKinnon in those uh, Morning Joe sketches shows how fearless he is. And like you said earlier, he's one of the best hires they've done in a while. Yeah, I can't really build on that. He's solid. No no denying that. Mm-hmm. For my MVP, I'm going with Cecily Strong. I feel like she maybe is a little underappreciated because Kate McKinnon gets a lot of the headlines for all of her political characters. But if you step back and just look at the season end to end, you'll find that Cecily Strong was buoying a lot of sketches just with really solid support. A lot of the 
nostalgia driven musical type sketches that we saw pop up this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is something she's been in the mix on with the writing and she's a great asset to the weekend update desk. So I feel like she's just really capable and at the top of her game right now. I feel like she's really proven herself and I don't know if she gets the credit she deserves, but I, I see it. I think that she does really well. I see it too. And you're right. You know, I didn't go with her personally, but she's definitely deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Respect the decision. Yeah. You know, she's the one that didn't get the Emmy nod last year, but Leslie Jones does for some reason. So yeah, something's up there. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, she's an unsung hero sometimes with these sketches and she does a lot of good work. Best episode. What do you got? My best episode is the Bill Hader one. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best cast members of all time, in my opinion. But not only that, like just the sketches were great. Like the girls game night, uh, the Irish dating uh, game show. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah, there were some clever, funny bits. We had some old guest writers come back that used to work with Bill. And that really shone in, in uh, you know, the tone of, of the whole night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was such a fun episode start to finish. And yeah, I'll be thinking about that one when I think of season 43 as a whole. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely one of the stronger ones for the season. I liked it too. I felt it was a little bit easy just because there was so much they could pull on from haters back catalog that I felt like maybe I would have liked to see them try a little bit harder with some of the original stuff, Mm -hmm. but it was a fun ride. And for all the reasons that you said, you know, haters great having John Mulaney come back to do a Stefan outing with him and then, you know, even be kind of his, his support player there with shy. Ah, shy. There was a lot of fun moments. No doubt. I can totally. Totally see where you're coming from on that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But uh, who'd you go with? (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you asked, I'm going with Amy Schumer for the Mother's Day episode. I was really surprised and charmed by that one. I didn't have high expectations for Amy Schumer going into it because I don't think I was that hot on her last outing. Um, But she really surprised. I felt like end to end, she was a very capable player in the live material. And I felt like for whatever reason, as a Mother's Day episode, the whole production just kind of knew what they wanted to accomplish and really brought it home. I felt like there was a lot of strong material that was mother centric that just really kind of made the whole show feel very unified and satisfying end to end. And I feel like Amy Schumer turned out to be the perfect host to support that type of a show. Yeah. On top of that, she gave a great monologue. And just, yeah, some just really memorable material that I, I think is going to stand the test of time. And how great was Melissa McCarthy, eh? Yeah, and that's the other thing. Another high moment when Melissa McCarthy comes on and just dominates update like that out of nowhere with a fresh character that you're not expecting and a character that we're not going to get driven into the ground, kind of like spicy. So it's going to continue to feel charming, you know, upon rewatch. It's not just going to be something that becomes a, a constant feature on the show. So yeah, just a lot of things really came together beautifully on that one. And uh, I think it was one of the tops for the season. Really tied the room together, man. <laughs> sure. All right. Let's 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 go with that. Best host. Oh, for me, it's John Mulaney. Okay. No question. Yep. It was such a big surprise. I didn't expect to see him host. Right. I knew he was doing better, getting more exposure on Netflix with his uh, stand-up specials. Right. And it was really great to see that pick for a host. Mm-hmm. He was never a cast member, but we did see him a couple of times on weekend update mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought watching him he uh, glided down those stairs like like he did it a million times before <laughs> yeah and he carried every single sketch he was what made a lot of what we saw funny yep you know from the monologue to the 10 to 1 it was all amazing yep i think he's the right call to be honest i i feel like the show was better not just because of his performance but because his voice kind of carried through a lot of the writing too. It felt like there was just a lot of John Mulaney infused into the show that way. And he had some of his friends slash former writers for the show come back so that they could maybe weave in some sketches that maybe didn't see the light of day back in the day. So he really did kind of command that show in a way that I wasn't expecting either. And you are absolutely right. He was stunningly good (laughs) as a performer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think you are correct that he was the best host of the season, but I am giving it to Sterling K Brown. I'm giving it to Sterling K Brown because he was a host that I genuinely believed was just bubbling over with mirth and joy to be able to do (laughs) SNL. 
he just seemed like I am a fan and I'm living my dream. And how cool is this? Like that was the vibe that I picked up on. And I, I felt it was sincere. He's a good actor. So maybe he just totally snowed me, but I bought it hook, line and sinker. I just felt like he loved being there. And I feel like he poured everything he had into his show. And I think his show was better because of what he brought. I don't think that he was given maybe some of the best material and vehicles, though it did have some standout moments. Right. I feel like end to end, his show was a little uneven, but it was not because of him. Everything great in that show was what he was bringing to elevate those sketches. Yes. And he never stepped back and lowered his commitment for a second. He just drove at it full steam and it felt just so good to see someone that committed yeah. to the show. And that's the difference. We made a distinction between best episode and best host. Yes. Because it doesn't necessarily mean it was our favorite episode, but you can acknowledge the hosting, yeah. you know, capabilities. Yep. So I loved what he brought. I thought that he was really, really fun to watch. And I do hope they bring him back because he's capable. He's capable. He loves the show. And I think they could have a lot more fun with him on another outing where they are able to embrace him a bit more and understand a bit more about where they can find funny with what he's able to bring. Um, yeah. So he's kind of my one to watch. I guess maybe that's a better way to put it, but I'm totally on board with Mulaney too. He, <laughs> he did a great job and his show was one of the absolute tops for the season. So the results are kind of the proof there as well. Yeah. Big question. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. How would you rate season 43? I would Land on a great for this one. Last season, we both gave it a classic, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. The reason this is not a classic, uh, it's not because it's any worse of a season. I consider this kind of like season 42, part two. Sure, yeah. There's a lot of the same themes that bled into this season. You know, the celebrity cameos for filling out the political landscape. Yep. Certain things like that was carried over. And they were new and refreshing. And it was a great shakeup for SNL in season 42. And while it's still working and while it's still, you know, really great stuff, it's, it's not new yeah. like it was last season. It's not as special as when you see it yeah. the first outing. Yeah. I would clump season 42 and 43 together as a classic two seasons. Okay. But yeah, to cut it in half, that second half would definitely land on a great just because you know, it didn't have the Sean Spicer moments and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Okay. But yeah, that's the only reason it's, it's just a great, not a classic. Okay. The way I look at it, season 43, I feel started off pretty shaky. I felt like most of the stuff that they put out pre-Christmas, it felt like they were still finding their footing in the writer's room. It felt like they really didn't have a good beat on what they wanted to do to evolve the political voice of the show. Bringing Alec Baldwin back, it felt like it was weighing the show down early on uh, because we weren't seeing anything new and there just wasn't anything really funny in the news for them to use the character for. So it felt like obligatory Alec Baldwin. Yeah. So there was a lot in the first half of the season that just really wasn't winning me over. On top of that, I felt like the live material was a little bit unfocused and I felt like they just really weren't figuring out how to bring their sketches to a head or really dial in on what the, the concept or the premise should be, you know, for them to kind of uh, tighten up the sketch around the, the funny core of the sketch. I feel like they just had a lot of meandering stuff that just really wasn't coming together. Right. And that was just maybe me being a little harder on the show because 42 did set the bar kind of high and they were coming off those Emmy wins. And yeah. there was just so much anticipation that 43 was going to just hit the ground running and be amazing that when it wasn't, it felt exceptionally unamazing. <laughs> so that's how I was kind of feeling about the show before Christmas. And then after Christmas, maybe I just let go of that baggage and I started to take the show on its own terms again. And I felt like what they started turning out after Christmas was a lot more satisfying to me. Okay. So my feeling is pre-Christmas, decent but not great snl after christmas i would say overall solidly great couple clunkers but overall i think we had a lot more wins than losses in the back half in the back half yeah yeah so when i mashed the two halves of the season together i gotta say this was solid overall but i don't think it quite gets into great territory because i i feel like the first half does kind of weigh it down so i think you're landing somewhere in the high decent range <laughs> okay that sounds like the John I dealt with for the first half of the season. 
I was more warm on that first half than you were. Yeah, and that that's fair. And I think I'm just veering very slightly on the other side of the line. Yeah. I'm very happy with where SNL is at right now today. I just feel like it took them a bit of time to ramp up and get there. So if we're grading the show on where it is today, I think we're back into, you know, solid great territory. But I think if you look at all 21 episodes together, I feel like they're still not quite in the great range. I think, you know, solid, not great. Right. So if I were to double the season, it would make it a classic. And if you were to cut it in half, it would make it a great. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a needlessly complicated (laughs) way to grade the show. But bottom line, you're landing on great. I'm landing on decent. But between the two of us, we're saying this is solid. And there's a lot more enjoyable moments overall than misses. Yes, you're absolutely right. All right. I don't think that's a a bad place to land. No. You got anything else fantastic to say about the season? No, that's it. It's been, it's been a good one. It has. And it's been a lot of fun talking about it. Awesome. Done. There. We put a bookend on 43. We uh, plan to be back for 44 and we might drop a few fun little side episodes in the feed throughout the summer just to keep people engaged until we come back in the fall. Ooh, can I come to that? You absolutely can. What we've got cooking right now is we're thinking of maybe doing a uh, best of the rest cast where we take a look at some of the cut for time sketches and just see if there's anything people might want to check out that didn't make a dare. We know there's a couple for sure, but uh, we'll break it all down in a, a future cast, hopefully in the coming weeks. And then Dave Buckman, who we had on as a guest a few episodes back, but unfortunately had to scrap his episode. We're going to reconnect with him and maybe do a vintage rewatch of uh, something that hopefully the audience is familiar with. And uh, yeah, then uh, we'll break down all the news for season 44 when we get uh, a little bit later into the fall. All right. I'll be there. That is the plan. And that's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Jonathan Jordan, and Aaron and Trader. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back soon with our best of the rest review of season 43's cut for time sketches. But until then, this has been episode number 50 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant summer. On the barricade! Wait, there's a barricade? Wow. This diner has incredible set design. Will you join in our crusade to keep the lobster from this pot? Will you drop the masquerade and give our theater a shot? Then join in the fight that would give us the right to be free. Do you hear the monster scream? Screaming a scream of trolling place. It is a screaming of the monster and it is not a instead. Yeah. All right, everybody, let's go kill that baby cow. Yeah.